You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMS Cast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Omar Zinhom from Webinar Ninja. Welcome to the show, Omar. Great to be here, Chris. I'm super excited for this conversation for many reasons. Um, you have a software tool called Webinar Ninja and course creators need a lot of help selling and one of the ways to do that at scale is through a webinar. Uh, it's also requires the same skill set kind of as a teacher. So I kind of wanted to start there. Um, tell us about your teaching background and how you translated that into business because a lot of course creators are expert first, marketer, sales, technology person later. So how did that journey happen for you? Totally. Um, I, I got into teaching because my dad was in sales all his life. So if you ever were, if you ever had a parent that was in sales, you understand what I mean because you know, one summer vacation you're having, uh, you know, you're going to Disney World and the next summer vacation it's in the backyard. You know, it's like the, you know, you're going up and down and it's, it's pretty volatile. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of saw that and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to get into sales or even business. And I was just like, let me, let me do the, the direct opposite of that and go into education. And I, I studied to become a teacher. I was uh, an English teacher. English as a second language. I always teach foreign students uh, English so they can be able to take their courses in English. Um, and that's how I kind of started my professional career, um, uh, back when I was, you know, in the early twenties and I was, uh, a high school and university teacher for over 13 years. I was teacher trainer. Um, and I was really good at my job. I was awesome. I know <laughs> I, I don't say that because I'm trying to beat on my chest. I say that because it was hard for me to transition out of a career that I was doing well, you know, um, in, um, but, uh, you know, about, you know, I, I would say 10 years, uh, into, uh, teaching, I was kind of, uh, you know, for the last kind of five or six years, uh, dabbling into the internet, trying to see if I can, you know, what is this thing? Can you make money on it? I was just curious. And, um, I would read some business books cause my uncle who's an entrepreneur would, come and visit me once uh, every few months and just kind of give me a book to read and then we'll discuss it the next time he'd come around. Um, so uh, I got to the point where I felt confident enough to kind of like, hey, maybe I can make this my full-time thing, but I was still not like confident to to take that leap out of full-time, you know, full-time entrepreneurship from teaching. Um, but one day, um, you know, I, it was towards the end of my career and, and the, at the university and um, I was the acting chair of the department um, I was doing the job for about a year and a half. And um, what was crazy is that, you know, I was like, okay, when is, when is this going to be official? When am I going to get this promotion? You know, I'm doing the person's job who left for about a year and a half. So I went and then I spoke to my supervisor, the dean, and I asked her, hey, you know, uh, when am I going to get this position officially? You know, I've, I've been killing it with this position. I'm doing great. And then she kind of just told me the truth. She said, you know, the director of the university um, wants to make an outside hire. So, you know, so at that moment I realized, wow, I am not in control of my destiny. I'm not in control of how I can progress in life. And that's when I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to take this leap into full-time entrepreneurship. Um, and that's kind of when I started 
my business consultancy firm. I started, um, you know, helping businesses. I started a course called the hundred dollar MBA, which is exactly what it sounds like. Like it's a hundred dollar MBA education, teaching the fundamentals of business and sales and marketing and everything I, I learned along the way. And, um, it was 2012 at the time. And I started to run webinars, uh, to sell this course that I put together, the hundred dollar MBA. And I just didn't like all the different software options out there. I had a hodgepodge, all these different pieces of software. I had to use the video software and then, you know, different landing page software. And then I had to tie it into with my email marketing software to get, send out notifications and reminders. And then I had to download the replay and then put it on a landing page and offer it to my attendees. It was like a lot of work and I was doing it every week because it was growing my business, but it was a headache every week. So, you know, luckily I learned throughout the years a bit of HTML, a bit of PHP, a bit of um, CSS, and I just kind of slapped together a very, very beta software just so I can make my life easier to run webinars. I started using it and my attendees were like, hey, what are you using for this webinar? So it's just something I put together. And they're like, well, can we buy it? And they're like, mm, never thought of that. So, <laughs> so we actually just pre-sold the software uh, to, uh, we opened it up for about 250 people and we sold out in 48 hours. So we're like, wow. okay, wow. You know, 250 people are willing to put down money, uh, you know, on just the promise of a better solution for webinars. Um, and it was literally just a landing page with just mock-ups of the design and things like that. So, um, from there, uh, webinar ninja was born and, uh, we took those beta members, learned from them, found out what they need and how we can improve. And, uh, today we have over 14,000 members. So it's just been a great, growth over the last six years or so, um, steady, slow growth. But um, uh, one of the things I, that I learned along the way doing over 500 webinars is um, when you do a webinar, it's, it's very close to being live on stage. Uh, and I say that because you just can't fake it. You can't fake and you can't um, pretend you're something you're not, Okay. Um, and I tried that. I'm going to be honest with you. I, the first time I was doing it, I tried to be, the, you know, the Tony Robbins, right? I tried to be, you know, the professional guy, you know. Um, I'm the business person now. I'm not a teacher anymore, right? And it just didn't work. And people could see right through it. And I didn't feel good about it. And I wasn't converting. Um, so I decided to be like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to leverage my strengths. My strengths is I'm good at teaching. You know, I, I know how to teach. I have a master's in education. I've taught for 13 years. I, you know, I, five times a day, every single day for 13 years, right? So I know how to teach. So I was like, let me just use that. Let me just try to teach when I'm on the webinars, give as much value as possible. Um, and then when it's time to sell the product, um, I'm going to show them and not sell them. I'm just going to show them the product. I'm going to demo the product. I'm going to show them inside the course area. I'm going to teach them how to get the most out of um, you know, the program and what our best students do to get results. So I definitely... Um, decided uh, that will work for me because that will feel natural. And it did. Um, and what, what happens is that you start differentiating yourself from the crowd. A lot of people are trying, are sick of the salesy, markety type of webinars that go on. Um, they want to learn more about how this program or how this uh, product can help them. That's really why on the webinar, they're not really you know, interested in being coerced into something. Um, one of the things I learned really quickly, and I learned this from my father actually, is um, you can't make anybody buy something. You just can't. I mean, you could do pressure sales, but it's going to end up in a chargeback or a refund or something, right? But one of the things he told me is that what you can do is you can build trust and a relationship with people. 
you know, and that's really what your job is on a webinar. And that's like the biggest takeaway. If you're going to take something from today's podcast is when you're doing webinars, that should be your number one goal. Don't worry about anything else. Just worry about building trust of the people on the other side. If they feel like you have their back, like you have their best interest in mind, that you're actually genuinely trying to help them, regardless if they buy or not, right? Um, they will remember that. They, you'll make an impact on that. And the other th- uh, impact on them. But most importantly, um, even if they don't buy, when they are ready to buy, they're not going to shop around. They're going to come back to you. And that's what uh, was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got because it just allowed me to breathe and relax and, and not worry so much about the numbers and the conversions and the sales and everything and realize, hey, my job is to build trust and then they will come along. And what we found when we did look at the numbers is that sometimes it takes two or three webinars for somebody to convert. Sometimes they, they just love the content so much and they love seeing you and they want some of you that they just attend the next webinar, the next webinar, the next webinar until it's time for them to buy. And they're like, okay, I'm ready to take that leap. Wow. That's awesome. I got a ton of questions for you related to that. Um, but first, just a point on that trust and the relationship, not the hard sell. I, I really relate to that. And the way I think about it too, when I run a webinar is <clears throat> there's something special that happens in the relationship. Like after the webinar is over, I think about like, what was their experience? What are they walking away from? How are they thinking about the offer without the pressure of you being right there? Sure. You may have like whatever your email or Slack or something open and you can see some sales happening while you're doing the webinar. But in my experience, most of the sales happen like afterwards when they're thinking mm-hmm. about the impact you had on that call. Um, what, <clears throat> in terms of teaching and structuring a webinar, if we're going to add value even to people who aren't going to buy so that, I mean, really it's usually a lot less than half the people on your webinar actually buy. I don't know. Do you, is there an industry standard? Is it like, a third they say 15% on average 15. is 15% at some point. If they've watched your webinar, they'll buy, whether it's on the replay, whether it's you know uh, a month from now. But if they've watched, the impact is accredited to the webinar. That's, that's cool. What, how do we think about structure? I know you have like a whole um, like slide method of like do this first and do this. But like tell these instructional designers, the teachers watching, like how do you structure a webinar? Right. Um, so we have something called the Tokyo method, which is an acronym for how to structure a webinar. Um, and I'll go through that, um, if it's helpful. Um, the other thing is I want to be clear that the best thing you can do is be transparent. It's the best thing you could do. Why? Cause there's so much shadiness happening on the internet that it's so refreshing when they see somebody who's just being honest. You know, I just ran a, 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 uh, a webinar for webinar ninja yesterday um, for people that are not members, people that are not customers yet. Um, and I start the webinar by saying, hey guys, this is a demo webinar. I'm here to show you the program. I'm here to show you uh, and allow you to decide if Webinar Ninja is a good fit for you. This is not a sales webinar, okay? I'm just telling, letting them know, right? And I just say, even though this is a demo webinar, I'm going to make an offer to you. I'm going to give a, you know, a special deal if you want to get started, only if you feel like it's a good fit. You know, I, if, if you don't, think this is for you, no problem. You're going to get a lot out of today's webinar anyway. You'll learn how to create a webinar. You'll learn all the steps. You'll also learn um, a little bit more about like the structure of how to put everything together. Um, and people just start to exhale at that moment. You know, people go on a webinar and they're just like all tense and they're like, 
okay, I have to have my guard up. I better put my wallet in the freezer because it might like charge my credit card somehow. You know, like people are on guard, you know, and you need to put them at ease a little bit. You can't build trust if they have their guard up. So I, I'm just honest with them. I tell them, hey, I'm not here to take your money. I'm here to see if this is a good fit for you, you know, give you all the information so you can make a decision, right? And that automatically makes them feel like I'm empowering them. I'm giving them you know, the, the power to make a decision rather than me saying, Hey, I'm going to shove this down your throat. What, uh, like from your dad or wherever, what is the, what is the difference between consultative selling versus high pressure selling? Well, high pressure selling, uh, in my, and this is very prevalent in our space, but, um, it is a lot more about, Hey, I'm going to convince people that they need this. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I will show them that it's a huge mistake if you don't buy this, right? So basically, you're telling you're you're telling them uh, this is the decision you have to make, right? Uh, consulting is basically you're just saying to them, hey, this is what I have to offer, this is what I can do, this is what I can't do. It's important just as much as say like, hey, we don't do this, right? We're not for you if you don't do this, right? Um, and then you allow them to make the decision on their own, right? And that's a lot. M- a lot better sale because that sale sticks. That's somebody who's going to stay with you for years. That's somebody who's going to continue to buy your products because they have the feeling that, hey, I didn't get pressured into this. Um, Pressure sales often lead to buyer's remorse and refunds and chargebacks and bad word of mouth. And uh, often a lot of these companies that do pressure sales, um, they're not so confident in their product uh, so that's why they push it so much. And then, you know, they have a, a back office that just makes it a pain in the butt for you to refund. So um, there, there's a lot that goes on here. I'm not saying that pressure sales doesn't work. It does work. I mean, I, I've been to conferences where people are making millions of dollars on programs uh, because they got people in the state of ready to buy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but all I'm saying, this is what works for me. This is what works for me. This is what I feel comfortable with. This is what I prefer to do with my business. Um, so in terms of structuring the webinar, uh, the Tokyo method. So uh, Tokyo, uh, each letter represents a, a part of your webinar that you need to prepare so you can present the best version of you and your brand and your product. Um, so T stands for topic. This is one of the most important parts of creating a webinar is nailing your topic. And I always say that your topic is your promise to your audience because when your audience sees the title of your webinar, they feel like you're making a promise that you're going to deliver on that. You know, so if I'm running a webinar on how to be able to go down a green run with a snowboard for the first time, right? They are expecting to know how to do that by the end of the webinar. If they don't know how to do it or have the skills to do that, they're going to feel like you broke that promise and that breaks trust. So it's really important to be as specific as possible excuse me. So it's really important to be as specific as possible. That way you make sure you can fulfill the promise. So um, I always say like, uh, you know, how to be an amazing basketball player is a horrible promise, but how to improve your free throw shooting by 10% is a good specific. I'm not just talking about every aspect of basketball. I'm talking about free throw shooting, not all of offense. And I'm talking about specific metric of how much increase, uh, how much I'm going to increase that free throw shooting. Um, And I can deliver that in an hour. So nailing your topic is really, really important. Um, if, we're so a, the, if we're an expert on a, on a subject matter, how do we pick what topic? Like maybe our program, our course, our membership has tons of stuff in it. Like which right. one? Like how do we know what to choose? 
I, I always say you have to choose where you can add the most value. Like, so where, where, what's your number one top, where can you really nail that topic and really add the most value and change the lives or the businesses of the people that you're working with? Um, I'll give a good example. If I wanted to become a travel blogger, for example, um, uh, I am fascinated with Japan, right? But I've never been to Japan, right? Even though I read all these blog posts and I love Japanese culture and all that kind of stuff. Um, if I'm going to do a webinar, you know, let's explore Japan is not the best value I can add, even though I'm really, you know, passionate about it. Right. But I could probably do a better job if the topic was how to go to Egypt on a budget or something like that, because my parents are Egyptian and I've been to Egypt over a dozen times and I know how to speak Arabic and all the kind of stuff. Like I have, even though I'm not in love with Egypt, right. It's not my passion. I'm more passionate about, about Tokyo or about Japan right? Tokyo method, right? But the point is, is that I can add more value there because I have more experience there. I have more information that I can offer. So where can you add the most value is, where, is what I would say. The next thing is that you can always crowdsource your topics either on social or emailing your list with a survey. Hey, um, I'm running a live webinar. Here are a few topics I'm exploring and these are all areas that you can add value. And people will say to, they will apply based on their biggest needs, their biggest pain points. Okay. One of the other ways I also recommend is make your first webinar a open Q&A webinar. Um, I, I recommend this to a lot of our, our new members who really don't know where to start. Then um, they just do an open Q&A. It's about 30 minutes and they just tell their, their, their email list or their uh, members or on social, hey, I'm doing an open Q&A. If you have any questions about this topic, I'm here to uh, like, and your topic is like your industry. Um, um, I'm here to help. And basically you get all the questions and this is basically uh, all the great topics that you can uh, use for your next webinar because people are suffering from these issues. Um, and what's great about uh, our software is that you can save all these questions and you can export them as a, as a CSV file, all that kind of stuff. So you can uh, have basically a, a database of topics for the future. So yeah, you could definitely crowdsource it. You can run a Q and a webinar. So uh, but I would say I would start with value. Where can I add the most value? Quick question from, on, yeah, on the um, the topic. I mean, I see some people newer to webinars think that oh, they're just coming to sell. But what, how do you think about the topic with the percentage of the people that aren't going to buy or whatever? Like yeah. webinars, not just for selling. I mean, you do want to sell, but what about the people that don't buy? And like, how do you th how do you th think about that in their in your mind? So. Um, this is actually a really easy thing to do if you're selling information, if you're selling a course, uh, because you can definitely um, sample whatever you sell on the webinar. So for example, um, uh, I have a course called Easy Course, actually. It's a course on how to build your own online course. Um, and the first module is all about how to uh, define what your course is all about, how to outline you know, uh, the whole topic of the course. Um, and I can just make that a webinar. So you, you know, teach I'll it teach live. I teach it live. Yeah. I, and then basically at, at the end of the webinar, I was like, hey, I got a whole lot more that I could teach you, but you know, we only have an hour. Um, I have a whole program that it goes through all these things and I outline what the whole pro program is about. I actually share my screen. I go into the members area, hear all the courses. I actually play a video and show them, hey, check out the quality of these videos. And I say, you know, it's a 30-day program. Uh, we have a special offer today if you want to continue your learning. If you liked what you learned today and you want to uh, take things to the next level, um, you know, here's the offer. We're going to be uh, you know, having this offer and this is the bundle they get. 
Um, and I just, and it's just an offer button. I just show them the, the product and then I take questions and I just say, Hey, any questions you have about what I taught today or about the product, let me know. Um, and it's a very, you know, I, I don't spend too much time with the offer, maybe maximum five minutes. Um, Out of just like be- an hour or what? Yeah. Yeah, uh, maximum five minutes uh, because I, I'm mindful of the fact that my goal is to build trust and I can do that in the workshop most of the time uh, or in the demoing portion. Um, and then when I'm selling, I'm just, when I say selling, I'm really just showing them what I have for them. I got something here that can help you implement this with far greater ease, basically. Free sample. You know, like, yeah, it's a free sample, but it's also like, hey, um, you know, you could build the course on your own, or you can be part of our community, get the accountability you're looking for, get feedback, you know, get the templates we offer. So you're basically showing them there's an easier way to do what I just taught you. You could do, you can go with what I gave you. It's going to be a little bit harder. You could definitely do it. But if you want the fast track way, um, everybody looks, loves convenience. Here's, here's what I have to offer you. That's awesome. Well, oh, in Tokyo is the outline. Yes. So what, yeah. uh, what what do we think? How do we structure this thing? Totally. So when I, I talk about outline, um, I immediately think about a lesson plan because this is my background in teaching. And you, every teacher never, you know, teachers don't walk into the classroom with no plan. They have to have a lesson plan because they need to make sure that they can uh, deliver the information and the students can comprehend it so they can pass the tests, right? Um, a lot of their jobs are on the line there, right? So, so what what I like to do is, okay, you have a topic, you have a promise. How am I going to make sure I deliver on that promise? We have an outline where basically we're going to break down that topic into three parts, three steps, three uh, tips, something like that, that's going to deliver. If you can't do it in three, um, then you probably need to get more specific on your topic. Okay. Uh, And I say three because uh, one of the things I learned in education is in order for somebody to learn something, they have to do two things. They got to be able to comprehend what you're saying. They need to understand it, but they also need to retain it. You know, to remember it. Uh, if you can't remember uh, and be able to repeat that, it's hard for you to reproduce that result. Um, uh, a good example is when you were in, back in grade school, when you had to learn long division, you know, you'd have the example on the board and you'd have to carry the one, but you have to remember the steps. You can't do the homework at home if you don't know the steps, Right. So the same thing goes when you're on your webinar. You want to make sure it's brief, it's short, so they can remember it. I always do a recap anytime I, do, I go through any of the steps, um, and uh, that really helps. So you want to break it down to three parts or three tips. And within those three parts, you can have subparts. Like you can have like, uh, you can explain like, for example, if I'm doing a webinar on free throw shooting, basketball, free throw shooting, um, maybe the first part is visualization, right? Part one is visualize the ball going into the into the hoop. Um, you want to keep your eyes open. You want to keep your eyes looking at the hoop, and you want to see the ball go through the hoop a few times, four, five times, six times, ten times. So these are just a few tips about visualization. And then I go on to the next one. Okay, the next thing is that you want to square up. You want to bend your knees. You want to make sure you looks like you're sitting on a chair. Um, so all that kind of stuff. So you're you're you talk about you know your stance, and the third is follow through or something like that. This is just off the top of my head. So <laughs> the point is, is that um, you want to break it down into three easy to understand parts. Um, so that's your outline. And then at the end, you have to ask the question, does it fulfill the promise? Do they know how to improve their free throw shooting by 10% if I deliver these three tips? Um, that, that, and that's kind of how you put it all together.
That is awesome. At the um, end of the content, when you make the turn into the offer, like how do you make that turn? Like, especially for somebody who's a little scared of selling or not comfortable with it. How do they, how do they turn around the corner from the content there? Yeah. So there's two things that I recommend. Number one is like I mentioned at the start of the webinar, be transparent. So they know it's coming. So you say, Hey, this is what we're going to be covering today. I'm going to be teaching you one, two, three, four. I'm also going to be giving a special offer of my product at so-and-so. Um, you know, I even make a joke about it. I say, I'll let you know when that happens. So if you're not interested, you can, you know, you could leave the webinar or you can, you know, throw no your wallet in the freezer. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm just transparent. And it's just a joke. People think it's funny. Um, and, and it's just, and that's it. You know, you just let them know in the beginning that this is happening. So then when you're going through the workshop and you're teaching and then now you're transitioning, I always say, Hey, I actually ask permission, you know, and, and that's, this is really a good technique because you get the crowd on board, you get support from the crowd. So I will ask, Hey, in the chat, let me, we went through the work. Hey, would you guys be interested in learning how, uh, you can implement what I just taught with far greater ease. Um, I put something together for you um, that uh, I worked really hard on. I'm really proud of that. Uh, like I mentioned that I want to offer you guys if you're interested in getting started. Is that okay with you? And then in the chat, they say, yeah, let's, let's see it, blah, blah, blah. You know? So by saying, is that okay with you? Uh, you, you recognize and respect the fact that, you know, that these people are spending their time with you. They're, they're on the webinar uh, you know, they put it in their calendar, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people are receptive to that kind of response to that kind of, uh, prompt. And then from there I said, okay, let me show you what I have here. This is called, you know, easy course. This is called free throw shooting for pros. Um, I put this together early, you know, and you just tell your story why I put this together. This is why I made it. Um, you know, and by the way, everybody knows you're an entrepreneur. Everybody knows you have a product to sell. Like it's not a secret. So you just better to be in, get in front of it and, and be honest with it and just, uh, and that's really the transition line that I love. It says, hey, I just taught you something. Would you like to see how you can implement this with far greater ease? So K in Tokyo is keynote. And part of that is making the transition or turn to the cell. But there's also the whole slide development thing. Like, yeah. what do people mess up with slides? Let's start there. That's a good question. I think the thing is that a lot of people have too many slides. Yeah. And a lot of people will have like a hundred slides for an hour webinar. I think that's way too much. And what tends to happen is people rush through their slides and they don't allow enough time for people to think and absorb what you just taught. Um, and they think that's, that's high energy. No, that's not high energy. That's just horrible teaching. Like that's just, and that's just the honest truth. I know that from, from experience, it's better for you to have 30 slides and to spend a little bit more time on each slide, check comprehension ask people rhetorical questions like, you know, how many of you, uh, you know, experience this to relate a story to each lesson that you're teaching or each point you're teaching, uh, reference it in real life, um, things like that. So uh, a lot of people are just reading off slides and they're not actually teaching the material. If I can give you the slides and you can just read the slides and understand everything and get the 90% of the content, then you're useless right? So there's no reason for you to be on the webinar. Okay. So the slide shouldn't be self-explanatory. You should be able to see a slide, get the, uh, a vague understanding of what this slide is about, but it requires a teacher to unlock it. And that's really what you want to do. So that will allow you to kind of simplify your slides and not rush through things. A lot of us, when we get nervous, we speak faster. I'm a native New Yorker. So I had to slow down my speech when I became a teacher. And it's one of the first things I learned. 
It's like, you're speaking too fast, too fast, teacher. I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> so um, the point is, is that um, when you're putting your slides together, what we really recommend is, one, is, is see it as um, a signpost, as a way for you to prompt yourself, oh, this is what we're going to be talking about. This is how we are going to, and use them as visual aids. Visuals are very good for people to remember what you're actually teaching. Remember, retention's 50% of, of, of learning something. So this is what we recommend. Uh, we, we have a, a, a format, um, which basically is your title slide, which is the promise. And then you have your host slide where you, you talk about, um, you know, who, who you're all about and what, why you here, like what's, why are you teaching this webinar? What brought you to today? Uh, I call it the origin story and it shouldn't be too long, uh, about a few minutes, but, um, basically you want to share the ups and the downs that brought you to today. All the mistakes you've made. Uh, not all of them, but some of the mistakes you made um, uh, to, to, that you learned along the way to get to the point where you were on the webinar and teaching them this, this topic. And then we have the outline slide where it outlines, you know, what you're going to cover today. And then you go into, you know, the slides for each part of those three parts we talked about and then the sub parts inside of them. Um, and then we have a slide that we have for the offer and, and a slide to prompt them for Q&A. Um, and we have a whole format. And uh, if you ever go on our live webinars, you'll see how we you can use it as an example. And also, uh, we do give away the slides templates to our members so uh, that you could just plug and play with the PowerPoint keynote. That is awesome. Why is your engagement? So I'm gonna ask you to coach me, Omar. I'm an introvert. I'm not a very animated person. I can be a little bit monotone. Um, I've done maybe, I don't know, 100 or 150 webinars. And I've gotten, I've definitely gotten better. One of the reasons I podcast is to just improve my public speaking skills and stuff. But how do we increase engagement? I mean, I say hey to people in the beginning. I, uh, you know, I ask people to like, you know, say something in the chat to like make it more interactive. But how do we, how do we up the engagement game, especially if we're just not a natural, if you will? Yeah, totally. Um, it's good to have a game plan when it comes to engagement. Um, and, and in the Tokyo method, Y stands for your engagement. Uh, and what I, what I like to say is that you can't expect the crowd to be engaged. You have to train them to be engaged, right? You have to show them this is how it works here in this webinar. This is how I do business. Okay. Um, and it's done slowly and you ease them into it. Um, and what I like to say is that, uh, regardless of what the topic of the webinar is, everybody's favorite subject is themselves. They like to talk about what's going on with them, right? Because that's what they're good at. They know themselves very well. So you can start with a softball like that. And I always say, when, you, when I join the webinar, I say, hey, let me know where you're coming from and what would be a win for you today? Or you know, what brought you to today's webinar? And the reason why I want them to share that is because I want to learn a little bit more about what their needs are. Why did they come here? What their expectations are, right? Um, and then the reason why I ask them, where did you come, you know, where are you tuning in from is I want to just get an understanding, some context so I can be able to build some rapport with them. So, uh, once they start putting some answers in the chat, I just say, Hey, Oh, John, you're from New York. Whereabouts in New York? I used to live in the West village. Uh, I'd love to know where you're about. And then it gets him engaged and he's like, Oh yeah, I, I love the West village. Oh, I'm all on the upper west side. The point here is, is that they recognize I'm just not shouting out names. Hey, John, hey, Kay, hey, whatever. You know, like that is not engagement. That is roll call, right? <laughs> so what you want to do is you want to just engage on a personal level at some point. You know, every single thing I'll in the chat, I'll say that, oh, we got, you know, um, Amir is from Amsterdam. Hey, Amir, it's great to have you here in Amsterdam. I was there last year. What a beautiful city. I love biking around. 
you know, are, are you, are you uh, close to um, whatever bridge that I was on? You know, and then you just throw some context at them to just make them feel like you actually are interested in who they are. And you are, you should be. I mean, these are, these are your people. These are people spending time to be in, in your webinar. So that's kind of a nice way to get started. I also like to run a poll because there are other people on the webinar that are maybe not as chatty or willing to be in the chat. And a poll is an easy way for them to engage and give you some information. And an easy softball poll could be something as fun as like, what are you watching on Netflix these days? And you can put some answers or you can say, uh, you know, um, what, what is your biggest struggle right now in business or in whatever field you're doing? And you can put some answers. Um, and it just makes, makes it easy for them to choose an option. Um, and then throughout the webinar, um, one of the things I like to do is I like to do what's called, uh, and I learned this from teaching, is uh, a technique called input-output. Input-output means that uh, I will input information, but then I also need to spend time allowing them to output information, right? I can't keep moving on to the next topic, the next point, without making sure that they can reproduce or they can give me a confirmation they got it. So, for example, I'm teaching that basketball free throw shooting webinar and I'm talking about visualization. That's the first part, you know, and I say, here are three tips about visualizations. One, two, three, which one of these tips are you most interested in that? Which one of these tips uh, are you going to do first? Things like that. You're going to do them all, but which one are you going to do first? And you just get them to think for a moment because what you do here is that you look at the slide and they're like, Hmm, one, two, three, which one do I like more? Oh, I like this one the most. Um, then I'm going to write it down. If you don't do that, if you don't ask that question, they're never going to think about it. They're just going to be like, okay, great piece of information, move on to the next one. So you're, gonna, you're allowing the time to pause, let's think, give me some output, right? And they put in the chat. And this is easy engagement. It's just like, yep, I like number one. I like number two. I'm going to do number three first, right? And then you move on to the next one. You know, you can ask other questions like, okay, which one of these three do you find most challenging? You know, which one of these three do you feel like uh, you'd love uh, a little bit more help with? Okay. And the reason that is a good uh, question is because you're going to provide that with your offer. <laughs> you're going to provide some more help for them in the offer. So this type of engagement is really good. And by the time you get to, if you're doing this throughout the webinar and engaging with people um, and answering questions, we have a questions area and all that kind of stuff. So you can answer questions uh, at certain points of the webinar. Uh, you're going to find yourself about 50% of the way, they're going to engage with themselves. We're going to start talking to each other and you're going to have cheerleaders and you're going to have people that are more out, you know, extroverted that's going to really participate. So these are just a few tips that I like to share with people. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of good stuff. Now, when we get into the offer, I've seen, which is the O in Tokyo, um, I've seen even people that are just phenomenal like internet personalities or communicators and stuff but I can, I've, I've watched a lot of webinars myself just to deconstruct and learn myself, like how people sell and stuff like that. But I've seen like people that are pretty famous, like kind of choke a little bit or um, just appear visually nervous when it comes time to like say the price or, um, you know, just make that offer statement. Um, mm -hmm. Why is that so uncomfortable and how do we get over that? Because most people have never sold a product uh, in, by nature. We go to school, we go to get a job, and we get a paycheck. We never have to ask for money. You know, most of us, uh, you know, if they didn't uh, have, you know, uh, didn't sell Girl Scout cookies or didn't do any of that kind of stuff growing up, then they don't have that experience. And it's just natural for you to be a little bit uncomfortable. It's almost like you feel like you're begging or something like that. But um, one of the best things to keep in mind is that... Uh, 
one, you need to understand your return on investment. You, you need to be fully sold on the return on investment, meaning that you need to be sold on the fact that when people buy this for whatever, the course is $1,000, uh, they're going to get this result that's worth way more than that. And if you need a reminder, look at past students, find out what their return on investment was. How is their life better? How, is, how are they uh, improving their business? Whatever it is, right? So you need to be sold on that first because if you're not sold, you're not going to be very convincing that you believe in this price, okay? The next thing is, is that uh, I would say that price is flexible, okay? If you're not comfortable with $1,000, then don't sell over $1,000. Start out with $500, right? And if you feel more confident with that, you can increase the price later on. It's harder to lower price, but it's better for you to increase it. So just go ahead and start where you're comfortable and then move up the price as you move on. Um, as you start to feel more comfortable doing this and asking for the sale. Uh, the third piece of advice I love is the idea of if you have something that's going to help somebody, if you have a cure to somebody's pain, it's your obligation to give it to them, right? If I was walking down the street and uh, I was with a friend or something like that and they had a, a migraine and they said, oh my gosh, this, this migraine is killing me. And I had an aspirin in my wallet. Uh, I'm obligated to give it to him. Why, why, am I not, why am I holding back, right? You know, so... Uh, if you look at it that way, somebody is in pain, somebody is in need, somebody is looking for a solution, um, and you have it, you can give it to them. You know, they're more than happy to pay for it. So go ahead and people pay for things all the time. You know, people pay for ten dollar coffees and people pay for you know fifty thousand dollar vacations. Yes, people spend that kind of money on a vacation. The point is, is that like people spend money. They're happy to spend money if they're going to get something out of it. There's a lot of people that spend money and get nothing out of it. You know, it's called Vegas, right? So <laughs> the point is, is that. You know, be okay with your price, be okay with the return on investment, fully believe in it, and then also just have that mentality that, hey, these people, they need some help. I have something that can help them. Uh, and the other thing I would say is that don't be afraid to rehearse. Rehearsal is very important. If you're not comfortable, say the price over and over. Say your offer over and over as much as you can. Um, I always say that um, if you have a hard time with the offer, focus on the value of what you're giving them. You know, just, you know, you don't have to say the price over and over. You can say just once. You could just go through, this is what you're going to get. This is what our results are. Here are some testimonials from our customers. I, I love case studies or success stories from our, from students or past customers because, you know, I'd, I'll say, hey, this is what we're offering. Here's one part of the offer. Here's the success story. Here's the next part of the offer. Here's the success story. So I'm, I'm sandwiching uh, what I'm selling them with this is the result. At the end of the day, people are buying results. They're not buying the product. They want a result out of this course. They want a result out of whatever you're getting. You know, I people buy deodorant not because they love putting on deodorant, because they don't want to smell bad. That's the result they want. So that's what you're selling. And as long as you could show that this gets results through some case studies, some testimonials, things like that, um, and then you could say, okay, now that I've shown you all the great results, you know, this is what it's going to uh, cost. This is the return on investment that you're going to get. This is the investment you're going to make for this return on investment. It's X amount of dollars. Uh, and this is everything you're going to get with it. This is the money back guarantee or trial or whatever you have. And, uh, and you can just close it up. Hey, if you have any questions, let me know. Uh, this offer is valid until XYZ. And that's it. You don't, you, you, and sometimes you, may, you might be hearing this right now. Okay, that sounds pretty simple. But I highly recommend that you rehearse it before you go on, on a live webinar. Uh, just so you feel more and more comfortable saying those words. I love the point about using your past customers' case studies to help sell for you, essentially. Like just as a demonstration purpose right now, 
if you were to tell a webinar ninja um, case study or story as if we were on a webinar right now, can you tell us a little story as a demonstration yeah. of this concept? Definitely. Um, Kate Toon, one of my favorite copywriter CEO experts, um, she ran her first webinar with Webinar Ninja back in 2015, and she got her first 100 customers for her business, SEO Recipes for Success, uh, which now is her flagship business and allows her to go to conferences like Yoast and allows her to go and speak as an expert practically every week at some conference uh, because she put herself out there because she served an audience with a, with a webinar. And, and that was, that's one of my favorite stories to share because, uh, she, she bet on herself. She said, Hey, I have something to offer here. I just need to put it out there in the world. She ran a webinar. That webinar got her X amount of registrants, which turned into a hundred customers in the long run. Um, and allowed her to really propel her business. Um, and I always tell people on the webinar that, Hey, Yes, we are a webinar software, but me, my partner, Nicole, the whole team knows that we're not just selling software. We are allow, we're selling the opportunity for you to be able to grow the business of your dreams, business that will you know, live the life that you want to live, and, uh, and to continue to grow that business and work with great people. Um, and webinars allow you to do that. And we want to make sure that you know, we serve you in that way. And it's not just you know, a bunch of buttons and a bunch of, uh, you know, tutorials or something like that. Um, and it allows people to understand that, okay, these people have my back. Like I'm not going to just buy something and never heard from them again. Um, and that's one of the number one reasons why people stay with us is because they love our support. Um, because our support is more than just shooting you a tutorial. It's I'm going to walk you through it. I'll be an attendee on your webinar so you can, I can show you what it looks like on my end. Um, so yeah, it's really important for you to not only, um, express or show, uh, the the case study, but also how does it apply to real life? Uh, expand about it. Why you like this testimonial? Why is it you know? Why are you sharing this testimonial? How does it relate to the people on the webinar? That's awesome. Well, you made it to the lightning round, so I was gonna do just some quick uh, questions. If you could try to keep your answers to less than twenty seconds, if possible. Um, all right. So if, if we're going to do a webinar for selling a course or membership site, should we do the same webinar over and over and just perfect it? Or should we just move on, try this topic, then do this topic, then do this topic? I would iterate after three different uh, times. So you'd run one topic three times in a row. Um, and then you move on to the next one to another topic three times in a row. And then after you've done that four times, uh, you want to evaluate, um, you know, which one resonated most, which one uh, attracted more registrants, uh, what was my attendance rate like versus, uh, registration rate. And then from there you can really master that one topic and make it your, like your signature move. Best length. 60 minutes to 70, uh, 90, you're pushing it. What's the industry show up rate on a registration? So if a hundred people register, how many people are coming? Uh, I can tell you our, just from our data, from our own uh, system, from all our users at Webinar Ninja, uh, the show up rate is uh, 40%. is just quite higher than industry average, which industry average is around 25. Um, uh, but we do a lot of work with making sure that registration and uh, email notifications convert. Do you know if more sales happen, people like taking the offer on the live webinar or on the replay? Is there like, do, is there some, tr some mystery you can unveil there? 
you know, it's always that it depends kind of like yeah. what your price point is or the product is, what market you're in. Um, but on average, you're going to see a 50-50 split. Some people need a little bit more time to maybe get approval or ask or think uh, before or after the webinar. Um, so um, it all depends on how you incentivize it. We always give a little bit of an extra bonus if somebody buys live, uh, even if it's just a Webinar Ninja t-shirt. We send that to them. It's really nice. They like it. And uh, if they don't, they still get some of the other bonuses, uh, but um, they don't get the t-shirt if they don't buy a lot. At what point or stage in business does it make sense to pursue an automated webinar versus just running it live? Like what's the triggering event that is like, all right, now I'm ready to try an automated webinar? Automated webinars are great if you want to qualify uh, leads, you want to qualify buyers, if you're, especially if you're selling something a little bit higher. Say, for example, you're, you have a course, but then you have a mastermind coaching that's uh, maybe $2,000 a month or something like that. And it's, it's a little bit pricier um, and you need a little bit more nurturing. So if you want to qualify a buyer, what I like to say is run an automated webinar where it's all about that kind of coaching. And then the call to action on the automated webinar is to register for a live webinar where you say, hey, I'm going to outline exactly what this is, how much it's going to cost, what the commitment is going to be on your end. Um, and that allows you to only have people on the live webinar that are buyers. Um, and that way they know exactly uh, uh, what they're getting into. And then you could sell out your heart's desire at that point. What are some popular names for webinars that people call them these days? Like, what are some, If you don't want to call it a webinar, you want to call it something else, what are... What, what can we call them? Some people call them online classes. Some people call them master classes. This is a big thing you hear, master classes all the time. Um, some people call them workshops. Some people call them, uh, you know, online trainings. Uh, so uh, online demo, uh, depending if you want to demo your product, all that kind of stuff. Is it better to save questions to the end or take them as they're flying in or is it just a matter of personal preference? Yeah. Uh, I've seen it done a few different ways. One of the ways, the two ways I find that convert really well is to have two, one, one option is to do it 50% uh, of the way. So halfway through, you could take a couple questions, the first few questions. Uh, the next is, uh, and then have the other half at the end of your workshop uh, because you're going to answer a lot of questions through the workshop um, that you don't need to answer because, By completing uh, your presentation. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you're going to get new questions, of course, because of the offer and all that kind of stuff. The other way that I, I really recommend is you, in your email notifications, you could set those up and edit those. And you can say, uh, as they're uh, leading up to the webinar, you could say, hey, the webinar is tomorrow. If you have any questions about our product or about the topic, uh, reply to this email, let me know, and I'll answer that question first. And that way you can give them like uh, the top of the queue and basically you can answer those questions maybe even earlier in the webinar before the end of the webinar um, and, and address those questions. Well, that's a pro tip. Well, Omar Zenhome, webinarninja.com. He also has a podcast called The $100 MBA. How did your course turn into a podcast? Or the name? Uh, I had a failed podcast, actually. I had a, I had okay. a, I had a failed podcast first called uh, People Who Know Their Shit. Uh, okay. Sorry for the French, but but <laughs> we thought it was an awesome name, but unfortunately, uh, the, the the podcast was shit. Um, uh, we give it a good shot. Um, it was an interview podcast. Um, I, what I realized after 40 episodes was I'm not good at interviewing. I'm good at teaching. That's where my background is. And so we decided to create the podcast called The $100 MBA, which is uh, the same brand name as our course, The $100 MBA program. 
And uh, it's daily 10-minute uh, business lessons every single day, five days a week. Um, and that you know, is my strength. And, and I'm so glad that I decided to double down on my strength and, and, and teach. Uh, 2014, we won Best of iTunes. And we've grown since 2014 to over 100,000 downloads a day. So we're really proud of that show. And for me, it's my favorite thing to do because it allows me to give freely to my audience and share my wins and also share how to avoid some of the mistakes I've made. All right. That's awesome. Well, what, any final words for the people and what's the best way for people to find out more about Webinar Ninja and connect with you? Yeah. Um, so you can go to webinarninja.com. Uh, if you go to webinarninja.com slash workshop, you can go to our next live webinar and you can see by example how I run my webinars. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about Webinar Ninja, you'll learn, it, uh, learn about it on the site and on the webinar. Um, uh, my last piece of advice, uh, if, if, you're in, if you're teaching, if you're creating a course and you're teaching information, um, one of the things I need uh, to stress that I learned in education and uh, that I confirmed in business is that people don't care about how much you know until you show them how much you care. And that's just the truth. Like you have to show them that you actually genuinely care about who they are and what their needs are. And you have your best interest in mind. You're not just interested in their money. You're interested in their success. And if you can convey that as much as possible, as frequently as possible, as uh, early as possible, the better your chances of building that audience that is raving fans of your work that will allow them allow you to kind of get that viral marketing and let them uh, you know word of mouth will spread by your own customers and, and just people that attend your webinars that is awesome well omar you dropped so many knowledge bombs today i really appreciate it um go to webinarninja.com thanks so much for coming and uh we'll see you around thank you so much and that's a wrap for this episode of lms cast I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.